Welcome to this podcast of Finding the Future, where we interview thought leaders and innovators in land use and sustainability. I'm Bill Griffith. Today, we talk with Jim Yolch, the man who's leading Mayo Clinic's global business solutions, taking on new commercial ventures, largely outside of Mayo's three medical campuses in Rochester, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Florida, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Jim pays particular attention to consumer trends and how customers access medical information for wellness, healthy living, and disease prevention. This includes Mayo's digital platform, as well as publishing and retail partnerships. He's really interested in how Mayo connects with consumers. And to prove that point, Yolch notes that their website, mayoclinic.org, receives over 2 billion inquiries for medical information each year. So how does Mayo take 150 years of medical research and know-how and repackage it for consumption by the general public? That's what Yolch and his team get to think about every day. The consumerism forces, though, I think are going to continue to reshape healthcare, and we're seeing more interest in digital and virtual interactions. You know, the smartphone and the technology that we all carry around in our pockets today has even reshaped how how we buy things. You know, we're just a few clicks away. So how bricks and mortar can maybe serve healthcare versus how digital can serve healthcare in the future, both being shaped by consumerism, I think, we'll start to see more efforts to reform the payer system. Um, And then we're gonna have big disruptors. So technology is probably the single largest outside of the payment system influencer in what the future of healthcare looks like. You have large tech companies that see the trillion dollar industry of healthcare and think they have a role in it. I think from a Mayo Clinic perspective, personally from what I've observed, how we partner with some of those tech digital groups that want to lead innovation will be as interesting to solve with how would we ever look at retail differently than what we've done over the past few years. As retail evolves, it appears that medical clinics are filling in empty storefronts where retailers once located. Still, Mayo Clinic continues to focus on its campus model to serve traditional customers and patients. I think there's a there's clearly a focus from Mayo on the campus model, or what we would call DMC or destination medical centers. So Rochester, Jacksonville, Phoenix. In kind of niche retail opportunities, there there may be really focused models. And you mentioned like uh, eye care or minor acute illness, like an, so we see groups like MedExpress filling a lot of those types of storefronts that maybe had traditional retail. There's there's probably some opportunity for Mayo and some interest in that. I think it's secondary. I do think you'll see Mayo, other healthcare organizations, maybe look to fill niche roles uh, that are really narrowly defined for some of those. I, I mean, I've, I've had opportunities to work with some of the other groups in the Twin Cities. I know Blue Cross Blue Shield are one of those um, that have opened up in, in traditional retail settings. And there, they're really focused on bringing the community in, having it be more of an education environment, and then also understanding how they could benefit from some Medicare products. Mayo's really, the essence of Mayo in being uh, multifaceted in research, education, and clinical practice, and then in the clinical practice itself, just being so massive with um, the multi-specialties and the integration, you can't replicate that in you know, a mall setting. 
So, you know, to be really specific in something like maybe an aesthetic center where you bring a couple of those specialties together, dermatology, plastic surgery, ENT, those would be some of the opportunities that Mayo might pursue. We're all kind of waiting till the end of this year to really understand what the significant priorities are going to be. But despite a new strategic plan, can share with you, obviously, that... Um, for us, the investments are going to be um, in the bricks and mortar in those destination centers. So if you've ever been to Rochester lately, a lot of construction, right, um, driven by both Mayo and then the surrounding city and the infrastructure to be able to support the growth. You would find um, similar activities now in Phoenix. There's a whole initiative there for Arizona Forward where we're really growing out and investing in that campus. And then likewise in Florida, um, I have just was there recently. And what's interesting to me is they're, they're all at different stages, obviously, and have a bit of a different focus because of maybe their, their opportunities for regional partnerships. And so in Florida, that campus is starting to really take shape with more as kind of a business incubator, bringing other companies directly onto that campus where there's real opportunity um, for business development and doing things differently. There's um, construction now on a center there um, for lung perfusion and doing things and using technology differently to cleanse lungs and, and ready them for transplantation, either to donor or back into recipients. So in Rochester, the focus has really been um, this, these last few years on the, on the hospital campus and growing the number of bed towers that we have. And I think what'll be interesting is to see how all this plays out. So you have all of these different kind of outside variables from the payment to the tech companies. Mayo Clinic traces its history and success to the medical operations that began in Rochester, Minnesota, following a tornado in the 1860s. And almost 40 years ago, Mayo made the decision to follow their patients to warmer climates in Arizona and Florida. Today, these three medical destinations provide much of the direct patient care in the Mayo Clinic system. Those campuses really started in the mid-80s, 86, 87, respectively, and probably had some early learnings. And what we didn't want to do is force the Mayo culture onto those different settings. So I think it took some time for them to become mature. They each had different nuances to them. So like our model where we're successful clinically and financially is through that integration uh, between um, the hospital and the clinic. And when open, when we opened in Jacksonville and in Scottsdale initially, we opened clinics and, and didn't have hospitals as a part. I mean, there were privileges in some, um, some partner hospitals, but it, I think it really launched those sites to more equal footing when we had the full integration and we could do the clinic and the hospital and surgical setting all under one campus. And that's relatively new over the last decade or so. So you built hospitals? We did. In each yep. location? So built a hospital right on the campus, right on top of the clinic in, um, in Jacksonville, and then built the hospital not far from our clinic setting. Uh, so the clinic setting in Arizona is in Scottsdale. The hospital has been built in North Phoenix. But now we're seeing that campus really kind of build out. So that's where, just within the last few years, we built and opened a proton beam facility, have done that in Rochester now, and are planning to do that in Jacksonville now. In the heart of downtown Minneapolis, Mayo Square was developed as a unique partnership between Mayo and the Timberwolves, 
Minnesota's NBA team. Mayo provides sports medicine to professional ballplayers as well as weekend warriors in the downtown facilities. So Block E, as it once was known, was really reimagined when Mayo came to town. I've learned, you know, and tangentially, some of the roles that I've had at Mayo, we've had interest in helping kind of support Mayo Square. But that's an example of maybe a non-traditional setting where, where we have flourished more, so, and has some really, some great focus to it. So, opened several years ago now with a focus really on sports medicine, which is bringing physical medicine, rehabilitation and orthopedic surgery and some of the surrounding services together. We've grown it over time, so there's, there's some opportunity to initially occupy some space and, and then over time continue to add space to that. And what's interesting about the success of that is it's kind of a microcosm of Mayo where it's an integrated multi-specialty group practice and has benefited by having some on-site diagnostics. So being able to do MRIs on-site, other imaging, radiology, lab procedures, so that it's really a seamless experience for the patient or the customer. And the Mayo Square being really focused on sports medicine, it's, it's really started to blend some of the traditional healthcare where it's insurance-based and code-driven, diagnostic code-driven, and some of what we're seeing more and more consumers looking for, which are kind of performance solutions, health solutions, for any level, athlete or individual, right? So from the professional down to maybe the weekend warrior to the collegiate or the high school, how to improve their performance through targeted training. So having that blend under, uh, under one roof there has been really successful. And the, um, there's a partnership with the Timberwolves? There is, yep, and Lynx. Shifting the conversation from real estate development to patient care, we talk about the key to the Mayo brand, and that really centers around innovations in diagnostics and treatment, uh, treatment of some of the most serious and life-threatening illnesses. I told you also a story about a family friend who turned to Mayo out of frustration with a very difficult illness and got great, well, even unexpected results. Yeah, and uh, let me start by saying, like, that, the story that you gave, yeah. uh, you know, I've already heard two or three times this week from, from colleagues or I've had friends, and I think it's what creates a lot of pride in, in working at Mayo. And it's kind of the essence or the secret sauce of how large the practice is, but it's still tightly woven together. And this, and, and there's a lot of reasons for this, from the fact that our physicians are salaried to, the, to one of our early founders basically invented the integrated medical record. Granted, that was on paper, and now it's you know, all electronic. But it, you know, combined, when you put those things together, um, what we still take delight in is hearing stories where people have gotten healthcare or are looking for answers, are frustrated by the lack of information or delays in access, and then have an experience uh, at Mayo where within a coordinated time frame, they were able to see all of the right specialists, get all of the right tests, and they have answers. And not those answers aren't always great, right? But at least they have an answer. When I first started at Mayo, I was in a postgraduate fellowship, and I was in our Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and I'll never forget, I wanted to know what it was like for our surgeons so that on the business side, 
when they wanted to talk about they needed specialized equipment or OR schedule efficiency, I at least had a glimpse of what it was like to be in their role, right? So I scrubbed in, was there all day. And you know, the first case, the surgeon, and they and he had fellows and residents in there as well. And they opened the patient and there was a part of a, a mass. And so they had, had done a biopsy, removed some, and they pushed a button and they put the specimen in a tray and it flipped through a door. And someone from lab pathology ran down, grabbed it, ran back to a lab that I didn't know was even there. And then um, a few minutes later, they were on the intercom in the operating suite while the patient's still open. And um, they talked about the origin of the tumor, how deep to cut, how, uh, to remove it. And you know that was a really insightful moment because what typically would happen would, there'd be a biopsy and they would close the patient and then they would send the biopsy off to some lab somewhere else. And, they would wait for the results and they would call the patient. The patient would have to come back in and then they would have a procedure. The next big frontier has arrived at Mayo as it has at other hospitals and clinics. And that is the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning to help diagnose and treat disease and illness. What I see happening is, and, and you can't, you really can't walk the halls of not just Mayo, but any healthcare organization today without bumping into someone that's talking about or knowing something about artificial intelligence and machine learning and big data and analytics. And you know, as we think about Mayo and, and touching more lives and helping people really at the top of the pyramid with serious and complex issues, it's gonna be how we take all of our data and, and the, the amount of data that we now have from 10, 15 million patient records is significant. And when you think about AI and ML, and then 5G technology, which we need for kind of transmittal of medical information from point A to point B, we can start to build models and predictors of tests without really collecting that specimen from the patient in the future and keeping them closer to, to their home, at least for maybe mid-pyramid type of care. That's why I love healthcare. It's a fascinating time because there's, a, there's, there's interest and so much opportunity. And I think for years now, we've been talking about the current model is not sustainable, right? That's where you hear now in the kind of the political season, a lot of talk about Medicare for all. There's just a recognition that, you know, in whatever Medicare is now, 18, 19% of our GDP. And when you look at the US and spend on healthcare per capita versus other countries, we're the most expensive and our outcomes and quality are probably middle of the pack at best. So how Mayo can help position um, its knowledge um, through digital channels, platforms of the future to connect to other healthcare organizations to help those patients is something that I fully anticipate will be a part of our, I mean, we're already seeing it, so to say that it's not gonna be a part of our updated strategic plan um, would be a big miss at this point. Every industry is talking about disruptive technology, whether it's ride sharing, ordering a pizza online, or making your next medical appointment through a patient portal accessed over your phone. Mayo Clinic faces challenges and opportunities from disruptive technology. 
So in my current role with Mail, working in kind of digital web and commercialization and consumers, um, there's a, a lot of ideas and thoughts and some conversations with those groups like uh, the, the tech groups, right? So the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsofts, the Apples that have already done things to show that they're very interested in getting into healthcare one way or the other. So to me, and that probably have the capital to be able to make investments into either physical spaces or platforms. So those, I think, are the groups that are really primed to be disruptors. I'm not discounting the small groups, right? Because like the Facebooks of the world, the Ubers, the Lyfts, I think about when I started at Mayo, it was pretty cool to have a flip phone, but I also had an MP3 player separately, and now, the technology that we have in our smartphones is just kind of leaps and bounds, and I couldn't have predicted that. So I can't predict what other startups or kind of tech giants or other, other industries are gonna help shape healthcare. I've just learned, keep an open mind, and, and you gotta think about things maybe through a different lens, and where healthcare, I think, has been so traditional in the face-to-face -face and insurance and reimbursed on volume, not necessarily quality or outcome or patient experience. That's where other industries can really help healthcare kind of bring things to the next level. What that looks like as far as in partnerships and relationships, that's, that's I think, the, the question that needs to still be answered. What is the next big thing at Mayo Clinic? According to Yolch, it's taking technology and harnessing it in a way that makes medical care easier and more predictable for the consumer. Ultimately, you know, we want to leverage that as a strategic asset to bring the right patients physically to our campuses that we think we can help and maybe no one else can, right? So currently thinking about a digital strategy and tools where you can identify those people sooner and put them through the system to understand if they're the right patient for us faster and not rely on talking with several different experts to determine you know, how this patient would first be scheduled at Mayo, but having the patient online answer a few questions and getting an instant response on the appropriate appointment for them and do they want to confirm it. I mean, think about growing up when I took family vacations, it was this ordeal for my parents with going to the travel agency and booking everything in advance. And, you know, I just came back from a vacation and it's kind of just in time, right? Like, I don't, we're, we drive from here to the East Coast and back, and I don't know what city we're going to be in on what given day, depending on the activity sometimes. And to be able to book a hotel or restaurants or whatever online instantly um, revolutionized travel and hospitality. Bringing that kind of technology to healthcare is what excites me about some of the things that I'm working on right now where we can really serve more patients in a better way. And for those that we can help, we can get them to our campuses sooner if they need to be seen. And for those that we think digitally, virtually, we can help them by connecting either with their local provider or them directly and how digital is gonna reshape it, that's what really kind of gets me excited every day. Mayo Clinic is constantly changing, evolving, and reinventing itself. From creating the Destination Medical Center in Rochester, to reaching consumers through cookbooks in Mayo bookstores and healthy living centers. 
The focus is always on the highest quality of patient care, but now that means an emphasis on living well and staying well into old age. And while much of the engagement today is online, Mayo's impact on real estate is evident at each of their destination medical campuses, where cranes swing buildings into place, which will carry the three shields that make up the Mayo logo well into the future. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Finding the Future and look for additional podcasts on land use and sustainability. I'm Bill Griffith.